I'm delighted to be joined by Raven Clarsen, who's uh, playing with Ben McLaughlin for, I mean, really the third year running, isn't it? You had you had a very good partnership with Michael Venus, which ended at the end of uh, 2019. Is, do you think of Ben as your main partner now? Yeah, um, technically the start of our third season, even though 2020 we really only played a couple of tournaments together, maybe two or three events. Last year was our first full season, so we, we're getting comfortable with each other, and it's I think it's starting to show on court. Um, yeah, Ben's Ben's a good player. Um, he plays a style of tennis that that is advantageous to me, and I'm I'm hoping that we can build on on these results we've had. We do see this a lot. Don't want to get too much into the numbers, but um, you're 39, he's 29. Is that sort of part of the calculation that he needs your experience and you need his uh, youthfulness? Yeah, I mean, I partially the reason I wanted to play with him because game style I think is good, but it certainly keeps me young being next to him, and 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 hopefully I can bring an element of experience to to his side of the table and. I mean, it really comes down to how well you perform on court. You know, if, if I didn't think I could win matches with Ben, we probably wouldn't be doing it and vice versa. But it's also very nice to, to, to play with someone who's, who's enthusiastic about the game, who's sort of up and coming. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see how, how much longer I can go and hopefully he can keep me young for a few more years. I mean, athletic sport, we think of late 30s as getting on a little bit. And yet in doubles, we've had people like uh, Danny Nesta playing into his mid-40s, Leander Pace as well. To what extent do you feel that 39 is, is, is not old? No, 39 is pretty old. I, I, would, I would go that far to say um, the benefit of playing doubles is that you, you're, you're running half the court, you know, so that, that's a big reason. And then, and then obviously we, we have guys in the training room taking great care of us and, and keeping us going. But the reality is, like, as, I mean, I think in, in the past you might have stopped because you were tired of playing. Now I think you, I, a lot of people are just kind of waiting until they're not good enough anymore, you know. And, and, and fortunately, um, my skill set seems to be still, still working to, uh, to a certain degree, but... I think you'll see that more and more in sport as people figure out how to keep their bodies healthy for longer. You know, I think in some of the stuff that might have caused an athlete to stop in the past is a, you're able to manage that a little bit better and you're able to squeeze a little bit more out of yourself. You know, and like I said, as long as you're having success, it's, it's quite difficult to then hang up the sticks. You're talking about the physical, but there's also the family as well. You've got two young kids now, four and nearly one year old, and in the pandemic, has been able to. They haven't been able to travel much. So, to what extent does that put pressure on your decisions about how much longer you'll play? Oh, that's probably the biggest discussion at this at this stage, you know, of my life is is how much time away from the family can you sort of justify. One thing that is uh, one thing that is helpful to me is my my wife and I have been together since before I had any real success in tennis, which means we don't know any other lifestyle than this traveling lifestyle, you know. So um, she's she's happy to do it. I'm I'm struggling a bit more, I think, because uh, I don't see the kids uh, growing. She struggles because she's full on all the time. But we we plan to uh, to have them travel as soon as as soon as uh, embassies allow us to get visas in South Africa. You know, that's kind of been the main reason why they haven't haven't traveled this year. And yes, uh, I kind of have a dream of having them come out and watch me play a little bit of tennis when they actually realize what they're doing. So that, that, that'll mean a few more years if I want to get the younger one involved. But up, uh, so far, the decisions have seemed to worked out. And as, as long as my wife can kind of manage her side of this bargain and I'm able to play tennis, then I think we'll, we'll keep going. Um, but it's definitely not as easy as it used to be. So do you have discussions about the, the balance between how much your kids need to see their dad and how much actually this is an investment for perhaps a better future for them uh, somewhere down the line because of what you're doing now? Yes, that's 100% the conversation. You know, you, you, you're trying to weigh up the pros and cons. And I will say, had I been in this position maybe 15 or 20 years ago, when technology didn't allow this, I probably would have signed out already. You know, um, 
but I mean, I, I speak to my my family every day, and they see me every. I see them. I see them growing. So like that that part has certainly made things easier. If I if I call home on an audio call, my son's like, why can't I see daddy? You know. So it's completely changed everything. We can send each other videos all the time, and and I think that probably makes the time go by a bit a bit faster. But yeah, it's 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 certainly the most challenging part. I think once you you start a, a family. You have your place in African tennis history. You were the first non-white South African into a Grand Slam doubles final. To what extent do you feel you still have a, an ambassadorial or a representative role to play in terms of being of flying the flag for tennis in Africa? For the longest part, I, I, I just thought about what I'm doing physically on the court, you know, trying to trying to be the best version of myself I can be. But then you do, as you start getting older, think about the, the bigger picture. And it's, uh, Africa has always had a, a strong sporting background. And for me to have like just a minuscule, you know, a little bit of impact there that hopefully makes other people want to pick up a tennis racket and play is, is something that, that gives me great pride. And, you know, if I, can, if I can do that a few more years through my play, that would be fantastic. And then hopefully as I, as I go off in the distance, um, take that into knowledge sharing, you know, the, the years of experience on tour to, to hopefully get more and more people involved with sport in South Africa and in my case, tennis, because um, there's, there's athletic resources there that, that, that should be, um, should be uh, able to compete at the highest level and we just got to try and nurture that as best as we can. If you look at the history of the development of tennis, I suppose conscious efforts began about 45 years ago when Philippe Chatrier sent an envoy to Africa to look at what they could do to develop tennis. And still, 45 years on, Africa is the fifth continent when it comes to tennis development, or the sixth after, if you count North America and South America as separate. To what extent do you think Africa is still lacking, or is Africa on the verge of a breakthrough? Why, why have we only had a few pockets of players in countries like Tunisia, Morocco, South Africa, Zimbabwe? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, probably um, slightly out of my spectrum of, of give you a clear answer. Southern Africa, where, where we are, I think our biggest disadvantage is the location. We've got great weather, but geographically it's expensive to get to the areas that play tennis. And um, even if you look at the globe right now, the majority of tennis is kind of focused to Europe, you know. So like a bunch of good tennis players are coming out of Europe and then you have pockets around the world. Um, Northern Africa, they actually, they're actually closer to Europe, which means they have, they have access to get into Europe quite easily. And um, I think that's advantageous to them. In, in, in Central, East and West Africa, it, it's harder. I, I'm not exactly sure what the, the complications would be there because you'd imagine they'd have the weather that would allow tennis to be played. But usually what happens in Africa when you talk tennis, you talk about the cost of actually, you know, um, the, 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 the cost versus reward uh, equation. And, and that's quite difficult. You have to be able to put a lot of capital in for the outside chance that someone is going to be good enough. And I think that's normally where the, the, the stumbling block um, comes for us, you know, whereas in, in other sport codes, let's say soccer, for instance, or football, as, as you would call it, is um, it's much easier to, uh, to spend time and, and, and try to develop players. But to really get anywhere, you, if you look at the history of our sport, there was a time when, when Australia was the dominating you know, country in the world. Then, you know, the U.S. had it for a while. Sweden had top, four top ten players at one stage. So there's no real good answer on, on, on who to follow. I thought, I mean, Spain's been dominant for a while. Now you look at Russia, what they're doing. So you've got to figure out what's the best way to kind of use the, the facilities and, the, and sort of the resources at your ability to, at, at your disposal to, to get the best um, and I hope that Africa figures out because, like I said, there's no reason why we shouldn't have more people from Africa playing good tennis. Players like Kevin Anderson, Amanda Kutzer, Wayne Ferreira, and even players like Onstra Boer and uh, Salima Svar, they tended to go to Europe or America to base themselves. You've stayed at home in South Africa. 
Has that been difficult in terms of your tennis career or have you shown that it can be done? Yeah, actually, I mean, I'm not completely different from them because I did, I did move to the U.S. I was in Florida for four years from 19 to 23. So I did, I did leave Af- um, South Africa at that stage too. It's only once I had a few injuries and, and got old that I came back to South Africa. But the fundamental thing, uh, the, the court stays the same regardless where you are. You know, the ball stays the same. If you can hit balls, you can handle pressure and you can, and you can run, you should be able to be a good tennis player. That's across the world. The only thing we can't simulate back home is competition, you know, and I, I think competition breeds class. So if you, you could have the best facilities in the world, if you don't have someone to compete against and measure yourself, that's, that's the hardest thing. And I think that's why the exposure internationally is important, you know, um, and, and probably the main reason why we travel and leave our place because you, you have no real measuring stick until you play the best, you know, and, and until you know what's out there, it's, it's quite hard to know what you need to work on. So that'll probably be the case un- until we can somehow attract good players to come to South Africa or if we get a generation where there's multiple good South African tennis players which we had back in you know the, the late 80s the late 90s where guys were feeding off each other girls were feeding off each other which is you know that's what you ideally need versus what we currently have I, I can speak really only about South Africa we have you know on the ladies side kind of struggling we have Lloyd Harris coming through now Kevin has had a great career and, and, and myself sprinkled in there a little bit so um, you, you're trying to figure out how we can get people to push each other and, and compete because that's how you're going to get the best out of the players because i mean there are a pocket full of countries like south africa canada new zealand which don't necessarily have top players what well, the canadians do at the moment yes, but yes. but you know they've got the infrastructure for tennis they've got lots of people playing and yet there isn't doesn't apart from say shapovalov and ogl seem there isn't the transition in all these countries do you see something that's missing or is it just a question of the numbers and every now and again you'll get one or two really quality players and you just have to enjoy them while they're there? Yeah, I mean, if I had the answer for that, it would be worth, <laughs> worth a bunch. Um, to, me, to me, one of the biggest things is you need a horse to run the race. You know, like you need, you need to find the play. And that's why when you get those extra special players, the ones that end up top 10, top 5 in the world, we tend to know early, like, okay, they're coming. What you, what you can really control, I think, is the rest of the field where guys are talented but maybe not standout athletes. And that's where your infrastructure can, can, can really help them perform. You know? But if you're going to find someone like a Yannick Sinner or Carlos Alcaraz, like we all knew when they were 15, 16, these guys are going to be special. You know? So effectively, you're hoping to find a diamond in the rough and then maybe that diamond pulls a few more through and you get a great generation of tennis players. And if we count, let's not be specific, but a few years hence, when maybe you're finding that your skill set is no longer quite as required at the top of (laughs) men's doubles and your kids want steady schooling and all the rest of it, what do you see as a role for yourself? Is it in tennis? Is it outside tennis? Do you have any ideas? I certainly would like to stay involved with the game. I mean, um, tennis has given me a a whole lot and and I think it's it's something that I'm still passionate about to, to this day. So... To imagine changing into a different field is is tough for me. I, I think I'd have to find um, a scope for myself within the tennis brand. And I think, you know, the, the things that I enjoy the most is actually making people play better tennis, hit the ball better. You know, so I I would imagine that the coaching side is as is is as exciting for me as playing. Perhaps it it, it keep it'll keep that fire burning. If there's something administrative or, or, or commentary wise that pops up that I'm interested in, that that would be. But I certainly don't see myself going away from tennis fully. I hope you thoroughly enjoy the remaining years of your professional career. It's great to see you out there. Thank you very much. I'll do my best.